Support this podcast and keep us going. Go to everydaynovelist.com slash support to join up. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Today is a special episode, and it's your fault. If you're listening to this and you have sent in something recently, this is your fault, and I blame you. Um, we... Terrible, terrible <laughs> listeners. So evil. <laughs> Enablers. Oh, <I'm> <laughs> Enablers, yeah, exactly. Um, we have occasionally talked about maybe doing anthologies from time to time, and a couple of weeks ago or a month ago now... I think it was almost two months. Almost two months ago? We asked if any of you would be interested in an anthology that Kitty edited and we put out. And a lot of you are. And that means that we got to do something about it. God damn it. We've got four topics so far for anthologies, mm-hmm. so we could do up to four anthologies. We've got Swords in Space, premised on the idea that guns in space are kind of dangerous because you're in pressurized environments and because humans are nasty, violent creatures, at least around the margins, there's going to be a lot of knife fights and sword fights in space. Um, So Star Wars got something right, except that they had lightsabers instead of just swords. Mm -hmm. So swords in space is one topic. Another is Kitty's brainchild. Dirty jobs in in science fiction and fantasy universes. The stories about the janitors on spaceships, the farmers, the people who do the cleanup, who do the messy things, the ones that aren't leading the wars or performing magic or whatever, um, the heroes of most science fiction and fantasy usually gets up to. And it's like all the support personnel for <laughs> the, the construction hero. workers who died on the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then uh, another one of Kitty's brainchilds. Immortal problems. Um, I think the thing that we were banding about was stories about immortals that explored the unique issues that living for thousands of years... Around ephemerals. Around people who live for a hundred, maybe, would entail, particularly if you don't have any hope or expectation of seeing them after you die and they die because you're as far as you know, completely immortal. Mm-hmm. And you're not religious in a way that you believe in a personalized afterlife. Or what if you are? But you, if you're immortal and you're, you're, say, a Christian or a Muslim, and you believe in a personally embodied afterlife... And you're denied and it. you don't get to go there. Maybe you're a Catholic, and so you, so you believe that if you commit suicide, you will be denied entry mm-hmm. into the afterlife, or at least the good afterlife. So you are forced to keep living mm-hmm. when everybody around you dies, and you stay young and healthy. What does that do to you? What? How do you negotiate those problems? Mm-hmm. These are all immortal... These are all problems that immortals have that aren't frequently explored in fiction. Mm-hmm. So this would be an anthology of stories like that. The approach that most people seem to want to take with with immortals is doing a a love relationship between um, 
thousand-year-old vampire and a twenty-year-old woman, <laughs> right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There'll probably be room for one or two of those in the in the story. Though hopefully not vamp. Well, you're editing it, so I don't get a say. But I hate <laughs> vampire stories. So. I, but I liked the version of that they did with the Highlander. Right? Mm, so yeah. Um, and then another one. This one is one of my ideas, and that is near future science fiction, or indeed any science fiction, that is premised upon a world of negative economic and population growth. The world we all grew up in is premised on infinite positive growth. As a result, though nobody really thinks about this, but infinite positive growth is basically a side effect of infinite population increase. Mm -hmm. When you don't have population increase and you have population stability, productivity growth can continue the growth for a while, but eventually you run into the problem if you don't have enough consumers to consume the productivity growth. And so either way, you either asymptote or you start to go negative. Since we're facing a world over the next 30 years that is going to be doing that, I thought, you know, one of the things that science fiction is for, in an Aristotelian sense, one of the reasons it exists, one of the goods it can bring to society, is helping to map out possible futures, to get people thinking about how we're going to deal with this. So I would want stories set in worlds where negative growth is a baseline condition and exploring different ways that cultures and people figure out how to cope with this problem. Because it is a problem that we haven't seen in the West in 500 years, and then we only saw it for a little while. We haven't seen it in a major way since the Bronze Age collapse. So it's been a while. So this will require a hell of a feat of imagination, and could be the kind of feat of imagination that makes all of us eligible for Hugo Awards, which would be really cool. So um, these are the four topics we've got. Now we've got to figure out how we're going to do this, because we have to pay people, mm -hmm. and we have to generate buzz for these. Mm -hmm. um, we have to fund them, but we have to have people that are right, willing to write them. So one thing we could do, um, tell us which anthologies, one or all of them, that you, as a listener would be willing to write a short story for. and We've already gotten some of that interest. I think maybe what we should do, what if we were to open up submissions now? Mm -hmm. And um, we'll, we'll set up a box, we'll link to it in the show notes, if you, if you agree to this. Because okay. we haven't talked about this before. This mm -hmm. is all on the fly, uh, those of you listening. What if we were to set up a submissions box for you? Because you'll be editing these. Mm -hmm. um, and... You guys start writing your stories and sending them in. And then if we like the, if we, if Kitty likes them mm -hmm. and wants to include it, you'll get a, what can we afford, a $5 option payment for six months? Okay. A $5 option payment for six months. And if we can get three or four stories that Kitty accepts into each um, collection, at that point, we've got enough to go to a Kickstarter to fund the whole thing, the set of four, or maybe one Kickstarter apiece. Mm -hmm. And depending on how we fund it, we'll either pay a flat fee of 25 bucks plus back end, mm -hmm. or we'll pay um, a flat fee of six to eight cents a word um, for the rights, 
that, that, you, that there'll be a limited time exclusive rights and then um, they'll revert to you, but we'll still get to keep it in print. Mm-hmm. Um, limited time from time of... From time of publication. Um, and either way, either way, it'll be a limited exclusivity period, but it'll be either like 25 bucks per story plus back end or it'll be a professional rate um, as flat. Mm-hmm. And um, then, and maybe a little bit extra for audiobook rights. Mm-hmm. And then we'll crowdfund those. And if they fund, we'll go ahead and throw it open to the general public if we haven't already filled the collection with you guys. Mm-hmm. And um, if they don't fund, you'll get to keep the five bucks. And if we, at that point, can't afford to fund it out of our own pockets, the rights will just revert to you. How does that sound to you? Katie? That sounds that sounds approachable. And if we happen to get more submissions for one anthology or another, we can crowdfund one at a time. If we have enough to do four, we can crowdfund all of them. Yeah, so. I think. Well, last time I did the math to do these each at a professional rate, we would need like seven or eight thousand bucks per. So. The, that would be an ask to do them all at once. Yeah. But well, so maybe we'll have to do them in serial. Yeah. So anyway, that was the, that was the reason I was wanting to do a poll. If we found overwhelming interest in um, swords in space, let's we just, could do. Yeah. do let's that. just do a poll by submissions. It, okay. Every time we get four stories or five, we'll, we'll have the detail. We'll make up a page by the time this goes up. It'll be linked to in the show notes. We'll have the details. But anytime we can get X number of stories that like fill half of an anthology, mm-hmm. um, we'll then crowdfund it. Okay. And um, see where we go from there. So these are happening, and it's your fault. Um, thank you. This will be fun. What do you you're going to edit this? T- talk to them about the kind of stuff you want. Um, I want something interesting. I want something that makes me um, stay with the whole story, that um, startles me, that engages me. And you've heard me talk about tropes I hate and um, tropes I like, and so are my hobby horses for stories that don't work. So if you've been listening, you might have an idea of what would work for me. But that said, I speak from experience. She can be made to love stories that she would hate hearing the summary of them. So don't self-reject. Um, yeah. I, I tend to be a reader that um, I, I'm very, and a viewer, that is very difficult for algorithms to service. The last two TV series that I was really, really into were fantasy police procedurals. But... I never would have thought that um, those stories would would suit me. I just happened to fall in love with two iterations of it. And, you know, Netflix keeps sending me weird fantasy and boring police procedurals. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really hard to classify by, by, by genre. I don't tend to get into um, genre loops. <laughs> I read a little bit of everything, watch a little bit of everything. She, and, and she likes to be surprised. And one of the things that surprises her is people whose stories she hasn't heard before who have a 
different way the world looks, uh, different yeah. view of the world than she does. Yeah. So worst case scenario for all of this is you write a story, you get rejected, and you've got a story that you can then take to other markets. Second worst case scenario is you write a story, Kitty likes it, she pays you five bucks to hold it back for a few months, and we aren't able to fund it properly, and you've just gotten paid a little bit. Yeah. You've gotten paid a coffee's worth to write a story that you can then take to other markets. Right. Best case scenario, you actually get a professional sale. And second best case scenario is you actually get a sale that will look professional but won't pay professional rates. Okay. All right. So I think we got a plan. Um, the anthologies are happening thanks to you guys. And uh, we have to make sure there's a website up for this project by the time that this goes live. Okay. And a submission thingy. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. And, uh, we'll see you we'll tomorrow. See you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners.